This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Good morning, and uh, I apologize a few minutes late. I can always blame my driver who's standing on the back, ready to take some blame. Um, I guess the topic was, I mean, I'm impressed with the topic about becoming a better person, growing, things of that nature. The, um, one of the problems before we even think of how a person changes or grows, or whatever, is, is really deciding um, what it is that we want. Most people start out wanting to do something, and at some point begin to have second thoughts and third thoughts, and sometimes you reach for an ideal, and it, it, it seems perfect, and then you begin to think, you know, it, it might not be what you want. And a lot of times, we begin to doubt ourselves, so who are we? I mean, it's almost like Faisota Subakirbo, you have this back and forth inside, and you don't really know who you are, what it is, and so on. So do I have two parts of myself, a split personality of sorts? Who am I? What am I? And so on. So I think understanding that mechanism is going to be helpful because it'll help understand what's happening to us as and if we change. So I want to first quote a Rambam in two places that seems to say something very unusual. The Rambam is both, the one is in Yisodia Torah, and he speaks about what it's like to receive prophecy the experience of prophecy. So he says, at some point, he goes through what it takes to prepare for prophecy and so on. And then he says, at some point, you get a divine spirit. And he says, And you become a different person. And you become conscious of the fact that you're someone else. And then he brings a pasuk to support it. By Shaul, it says, "Visnabesa imam." He was told, "You go and prophesize with them." you'll become a different person. So I like to try to understand what it means you're a different person. Um, and the same thing, you have the Rambam in Tshuva. He says, "What are things that people do when they're doing tshuva?" And it says one of the things is to change your name. And it, it means to say, I'm a different person. I'm not the same person who did those things. So the Rambam twice gives us a paradigm of being a different person. What does that mean? I, I have two problems with that, two questions. First of all, we know that in the list, from Bria Sa'olam to now, there are no new creations. Everything we have follows the laws of conservation of matter and energy, just about everything, and nothing new happens. Nothing new comes in this world. So how do we say what happened to the old person and where did the new person come from? Secondly, um, what I also need to understand is why in the world would Hashem create me to be A when he really wants B? And this is the, the mantra of teenagers worldwide. Why do you want me to be somebody I'm not? So I, I, I may not disagree that this person is a wonderful person. He's a wonderful paradigm of 
you know, uh, he's a super duper student. It's not me. And why do you ask me to be the person I'm not? So these Rambams seem to feed into that. He's telling us that moving forward spiritually in a positive way, like prophecy, and getting yourself out of the dumps, like tshuva, both of them require becoming, quote-unquote, the person you're not. He says he becomes ish acher. What does that mean? How does a person become something he's not? That's really a... Um, I, that's the point I, I, I want to I speak a little bit about, and I will discuss another chazal, also cryptic, and try to make some sense out of it, and then I think we'll, we'll have some idea of what we're talking about. Um, so, the, um, it's a Gemara in Chagiga. The Gemara says, Adam Arishon, when he was created, reached from the heaven to the earth. In other words, he was a giant. Obviously, it means he was a giant in terms of stature. The person was a big person. Once he sinned, he near HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yod of Olav. Kadosh Baruch Hu put his hands on him. Umiato. And he diminished him. Shenema Ochem Tzatani You created me, and Rashi says, in two different models, and you placed your hands on top of me. That's the, and then, and then, that's the Gemara over here. So, Chazal are giving us a graphic picture of something that's not physical, and obviously, the way they gave us that picture is going to be extremely um, telling about what exactly happened. Two hands on top of Adam. It says, Adam, means you created me in two models. And then it says, Hashem created man in two versions, and then he put his hands on him and pushed him down. What's the metaphor of putting two hands and pushing down? I understand when you sin, you, you, your, your stature goes down. What does it mean, Akashpah, with two hands and press them down? So let's go to the other person, the other entity that was punished with, when, when man sinned, and that was the snake. The snake also stood, which again means it, it, had, it had stature, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu removed its legs and said, you're going to slither on the ground. That means it lost whatever it had before, it was gone. When you take something away from somebody, when you chop something off, it's gone. When you press something down, you're compressing it. In other words, Hashem created us with his hands. When he put his two hands on him and he pushed down, that means the same thing was compressed. And... The, 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 the language of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of that act is expressed in the Pasuk. Hashem made man in two versions. If we'll use a contemporary marshal, it's like a zip file and an unzipped file. Man comes in two versions. There's a fully unfolded man, and that man that's fully unfolded is from one end of the world to the other end of the world, 
He stands taller than everything else, and he encompasses everything. And then there's man in a condensed form. Same person, but very different person. So when I ask myself, is a zip file a file or not? That question is a loaded question. If I try to, to play the zip file as it is, it's gibberish. It's not going to play anything. But it has in itself what it takes to unfold and become fully functional. So man comes in two versions. Full man, great man, and potential man, who is, when he's in that state of being folded, is nothing. I, I want to show you an interesting, there was an interesting study a year ago. I, I read it. it. It was published by the National Academy of Sciences. They posed the following question. There's a question that bothers evolutionary biologists. How come man takes so long to develop? Every animal that's born, as soon as it's born, it's, it's just about ready to go. It's so small, but it, it, will, it will function very, very quickly. It takes very, very little time to, you know, it's it simply, it, if you look at it, just it seems to be the product of a need to fit a, a, a little baby into a, a mother, and then as soon as it's out, it, 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 it grows by leaps and bounds, and just about there. Even primates develop right rapidly. Man is the slowest developer, and it doesn't make any sense, because one would think that evolution would give benefit to um, a quick development. You know, a child is relatively helpless, it's a burden, and if you, if you, um, the quicker he can get on his feet. So evolution would favor a form of life that's out and about sooner rather than later. The, the, the most vulnerable, uh, the most vulnerable um, slice of time is when they're developing. That's when they can get eaten up, and that's when they, 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 so why would it be like that? That's something they puzzled over. I, I, I would, I would repeat what they came up with, but, I mean, it was fascinating. It's, it, you think it's, uh, it's not a joke. One of them was for Shaduchim. I, 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 I uh, kid you not. They said that since anything that makes you more attractive to the opposite gender is, is in favor, so just like having more colored feathers is in favor, you know, it's, it's in your favor. So having brains, some people like brains, and that's very nice. I mean, there's other explanations that the, it, the mind, because our minds are very developed, they rob the body of glucose, and that's why it takes a slow time. So it's the fault of our minds and brains. And nothing really of, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, yes, that's a mechanic. But why did Hashem make it that way? What, 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 what's the point of it? And the answer is as follows. Man is the only being whose, whose essence is not what he is, but what he can be. An animal, the morale says this point, an animal is called, man is called Adam. The gematria of Adam is ma, means what? It, it means he's, he's a question mark. No person is what he is. Every person is what can he be. A behemoth, cattle, is called ba-ma. Whatever it can be, it is. It's it's it is it's it's a piece of meat you know so so tall so long and that's it it gets fatter as it gets older but it's there it's done we are that which can be something else 
So let's regroup a minute and let's and let's and let's understand what what we're saying. An animal, if an animal could think, it would always reflect on itself and see itself for what it is. That's what an animal would perceive. It would have no conflict because it is what it is. Man has two parts to himself. If I had to look at a zip file and ask myself what information is contained in it, well, one answer would be nothing, gibberish, and one answer would be information that could become extremely big and important information, very extremely, um, a, a, a extremely useful information. Every person's sense of self straddles two selves. There's me now, and me now wants whatever it is that I am now. That tends to be the me now. I, don't, I, don't, I, I like things in my comfort zone. I don't like to push myself. I don't, I don't like to work too hard because that's not me. But there's another me in ourselves that's the full me. In other words, just like when you compress something, if you ever had to pack a suitcase and you really had to push the stuff in, it's going to Israel, forget about the weight, just to get the stuff into the suitcase, and you, everybody in the family stood and pressed it in, and you got the zipper closed. You know that when you open it, it's going to pop out. You don't want to open it again, because when someone says, oh, I, want, I forgot something, you say, do me a favor, I'm not opening this thing again, because I'll never be able to get it back in again. So we have in ourselves that man or woman that's waiting to pop out. And it's there, and it pushes us, and it's, and it's driving us. And that's the reason why humans are more ambitious than others and, and other animals, and that's why Jews are more ambitious than other people, for good and for the bad. You know, we, we're stereotyped negatively as being pushy, um, always never happy, always driven. The answer is yes. It's a Jewish trait not to be happy with where you are, it can be used for the good, and it can be used for the bad. There are no, we're not good to start with. We have potential, but, but, and we have a strong sense of potential and a strong potential. And it can push us in both ways, but it's pushing us. So a person, when he sits down and he's making some serious sense of himself, what do I want to be? Where do I want to go? Where am I doing? So I am going to say I have my sense of now, who I am now, and that sense is going to resist any real push because it's against my comfort zone. It's just like somebody who naturally can, can do a mile in 15 minutes, and if you're going to push him to do it in 10 minutes and his feet are not ready for it, his lungs are not ready for it, it hurts, it's not, it's not pleasant, and he doesn't want to do it. And then there's me, the me that I can be. When you do training with somebody, let's say you train somebody for a team, you're always, unless you're a sadist, you're assuming that the person can be the person that you're trying to push him to be, and with enough training, he'll be fit and trim and be able to do what you want from him. You, you, you hope not to push somebody to do something they really can't do. So whenever we have that urge and that drive to start becoming that other person, we're going to have two me's in, in play. I, I want to show, let's look at a physical example. We spoke about children taking long to develop. You're all teenagers. In these three, four years, you've grown physically 
in amazing ways. I mean, I mean, height and 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 everything developed in an amazing, incredible way. If if that's what happened physically, those are the things that happen to a person spiritually. This is a time when people make great strides. A child likes his comfort zone, and yes, someday when I grow up, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a scientist. Fine, that's sort of that's the way he thinks about it. But 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 the the, the, the ability to start pushing really hard. And, 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 you know, acing tests and doing well and whatever it is, changing idealistically. I want to stop being selfish. I want to start giving. I want to start disciplining myself. It, it's, it's, it goes together. Hashem makes the physical development and spiritual development go hand in hand. So we should be experiencing tremendous drive and push to become better, change, and so on. That's because that little compressed man is pushing. But it's never going to stay there because it is going to meet resistance from the, the, the person who we are now. It takes time to unzip a file. When you stretch something, just like when you're a teenager and you're growing physically, there are times when it's weird, like you have extremely long arms and legs and just not out of proportion to the body. It's Your suits look like... You've got them from somebody's hand-me-down. This is like a week after it fit in the store. It now looks like somebody had left it at your doorstep for poor children or something. You know, not nothing. Yes, that, that's part of it because it, it, it grows in spurts. But understand that mechanism. I want to bring an analogy from Chazal. I think it's important when we understand how to understand Chazal. It, it's very helpful for us. Um, that same Gemara I spoke about, where Hashem put his hand on man and compressed him, Chazal say another thing that changed. They say that the light, they say that man used a light to look from one end of the world to the other end of the world. And when Hashem saw that man is less than virtuous, <laughs> man sinned, he, he, it says he was gonezit in the, in the Torah. The word gones means not buried, but secreted. It was put away into the Torah. The, there are many things like that. It says the Beis Hamikdash became charev. It was destroyed. We don't have Beis Hamikdash. But it says the Oren was nignas. It, it was hidden deep down. What's the point? What's the difference between things that are destroyed or things that are hidden and removed from us? The answer is, even when something is hidden from us, it still has an effect on us. Let's take a, a, an example of psychology. If God forbid somebody went through some sort of traumatic experience, and let's say we could sort of take a laser and erase that part of the person's brain, that memory, then it probably would not have any effect on the person because it's gone. Many people who have difficult memories, don't forget it, but they choose not to remember. The word nignas would be a type of word that fits that. So it's repressed, it's pushed down in some deep recess, I don't think about it. But it affects me, and it affects me greatly. This is one of the problems when people go through in war zones or personal traumatic experience. It's very, very hard. Even if the person looks like, like he's doing well, it still, it still has a difficult effect on him because it's there. And anything that's inside, even if it's hidden deep, 
And sometimes because it's hidden deep, it will keep pressing. And it takes great skill to be able to bring it out in a healthy way and, and cope with it. But that's true about the beautiful and good things that man had. Hashem said it's a waste to take a person who's not really worthy of it and to dump great things on him. It's a waste. Let's give a simple example that we could relate to. Imagine somebody has a very good head and he's bright, but he's lazy, doesn't study, doesn't do things, and I'm able to get him to some top university. Is it a small thing to do? Many times not, because if he doesn't appreciate it and he's not going to apply himself, then I'm wasting a, per, a wonderful university on somebody who is, is not capable. But if the person begins to struggle and say, I want to make it, and he puts himself to the task and he, and he learns how to discipline himself and study and, and, and so on, then he's ready for it. Hashem said, the wisdom that I put into this world that man is capable of knowing I am wasting on him because he doesn't appreciate it, doesn't care for it. It's like when you have too much money and it's too light and too easy, you don't appreciate it, you don't care for it, it's not useful. But I'm going to hide it. And if the person works hard at getting it, it means he appreciated it and he wanted it. And that's what will make him be worthy of getting it. So not only is it a process where we are given the the challenge to work hard for it, and we need to work hard for it, but it's more than that also. It will keep on pushing you. Let's say a person, again, we'll go back to the example, a person has tremendous uh, academic abilities, and he hasn't made much use of it, and he's basically a B student, and he finds himself in in the B student type of, uh, um, you know, category. Something in him bothers him because he knows he could do much better and he knows that in his abilities he could be an A-plus student. That itself, the knowledge that you have that in you is going to push you. And that's the greatest gift that Kosh gave us in that. I want to say over a very cute marshal I heard. Um, I heard it recently a few, a few weeks ago. This person is a Chabad speaker. His name is Jacobson. Jacobson, very quite become quite a famous speaker. Um, I still remember his father, actually. And um, he said over the following. He, was, he spoke in Vinyanei Homa uh, in Israel in, uh, uh, know, two months ago, and I, somebody sent me the video, and I thought it was really a wonderful marshal. He said, I know I can listen in on animal conversations and make out what they're saying. So he said, I overheard a baby camel having conversation with her mother. And she was saying, Mom, why do we have these long, ugly legs where horses have just a much more proportional body and so on? We look so ugly. And she said, my child, it's because we have to go through long deserts. And to gain traction, we need to have those long feet. She said, but mom, why do we have these ugly eyelashes? They curl round and about, and they're really, really ugly. Why can't we have just normal eyelashes? And I said, well, we go, in these, we, we go hundreds of kilometers in the desert, and there's sandstorms, and we need something that can protect our eyes from the sandstorm. I said, but mom, why do we have these ugly humps on our back? 
they're awful. Why can't we just be straight like everybody else? And she said, well, we travel for weeks and months covering thousands of kilometers in desert. We need to be able to, 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 be able to, to, to store that. So she said, so if so, I have a really big question. If we have these long legs and these special eyelids and this extraordinary storage of food to travel hundreds of miles in desert, why in the world are we in a cage in a zoo? And he said, that's where people are. People need to ask themselves, we're big. Every single person has an ashama that's a chelikal kaimimau. It's, 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 it has in itself divine attributes. We can reach and think for things that no physical being can think. For instance, we can conceptualize Hashem. We conceptualize the idea of sacrifice. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for goodness, for other people, for justice. I'm willing to control my strongest impulses because it's wrong. I'm willing to give everything for family, for community. I have so much of myself. Why in the world am I just sitting there doing nothing? And that's, that's something that a person, it pushes a person down deep, whether you can express it verbal as well or not. It's something that pushes a person, and it's very, very positive. And it's an awakening that everybody has. This is the age when it awakens. But understand that as soon as you start moving forward, the us of today is going to resist because we, we are not there yet. We're going to be struggling between who we are now and who we really are. What does our mini version look like? It's, it's, like, it's like a child in a mother's womb. There's this, tr- it's, there's this comfort zone where the mother is, is sort of embracing you totally and you, you have everything you need. And the sense that you're stifled and you need to grow. And the process of going from being a fetus to being a, 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 a being is, is, a, is a very traumatic experience. But, uh, but at least if we understand why it is traumatic, it's not because we're not sure if we want it or not. It's just the process of two different phases of ourselves. It makes it much easier. We're able to put the two together and so on. In many ways, this is um, the understanding of Yiddishkeit. It's, it's what Yiddishkeit is about. Nobody starts out feeling comfortable restraining himself physically and driving himself spiritually. Um, learning, understanding... Is, is, is more difficult than sitting around doing not much or doing things that are physical. It's easier to play ball because of physical activity than to sit down and harness yourself to studying. Um, that's the way it is. But the real inner person is the bigger person himself is, is pushing to get out. And that's not satisfied with things that are physical and here and now. It, it's looking so much more. So understanding that, I think, is a key for, for moving forward. I'd like to spend a few minutes of you would like to discuss something, talk about it, or whatever, um, welcome to uh, have some uh, comments, questions, suggestions, whatever. I'm, I'm yes? Well, the word, well, he's referring to, I don't know, I'm not sure if Tanya's in the curriculum here or not, but Idan is referring to a phrase that Tanya uses, um, which uh, um, it says that koach, that chachma, which is the primary stage of wisdom, is called koachma. It's potential. And, and let's, I, I, I think it's a, it's a point to discuss. 
Whenever you hear something, some new piece of information, whenever somebody tells you an idea that you never heard, whenever you yourself come up with an idea, that's sort of a new, something new to us. If we leave it at that, we have done ourselves a lot of injustice because no idea is good until it hasn't become fleshed out. We need to ask ourselves why, what's it based on, what are the implications of it, and what is it similar to. All of these understanding, thinking means taking a new idea, a new point, and, and developing it. Anything that comes into our world is potential. And the truth is, it's, it's a lifetime of that. Yes? So, what would you say the steps are if someone wanted to become better? Or they wanted to leave from this compressed form into a greater form? So, two things. First of all, I mean many things, but first of all, um, to clearly define where you want to get to. And it is best done, the biggest, if I can make a comparison to something, it's like dieting. The worst enemy of dieting is being too enthusiastic about it. Whether it's dieting, exercising, studying, people become extremely, again, especially in the teenage years, person is very enthusiastic, has a lot, a lot of enthusiasm. You can't win a marathon on enthusiasm. It's, it's, it's the most counterproductive aspect is d- d- when you start r- running. Understanding doing healthy small steps, steps that require some effort and wait until it becomes natural to you and then move to the next step and the next step. That's a much healthier way to go with it. Yes? Uh, you said earlier that... What's your name? I, I don't know. My name is Jacob. Ja- yeah. You said earlier that um, you have, that the human race, it grows up slowly, yes. slower and slower than all of the other yes. animals. Is that possibly because we have become so dependent over the years of evolution? We've become so dependent on everybody else around us? Well, the question is, wouldn't, wouldn't evolution favor somebody who is quick and about? It, it, it's like... I mean, people in the workplace employs people who are quick rather than people that are slow, and you much better chance of getting a good job if you're like this than if if it takes you ten minutes. So um, one would assume that the less dependent you are on others and the quicker you can be around and about, that would normally favor it. it it's just an anomaly that, again, we, looking from the fact that Akashvara who created the world the way it is, um, I, I just use that point to emphasize um, we need to learn from it. It's counter to what one would expect. And the reason for it is, I, I think there are many reasons why it's like that, but one of the reasons is the understanding that man is all about developing potential rather than just being ready to go as soon as he's born. But a lot of animals, like, they grow up very quickly because they once, like, sometimes some animals have, like, a couple months and maybe even a week or two. They're already to eat food because they're they get they haven't been doing it completely for them like a mother would do for their child. So I, again, I, I mean, you would ask yourself. So if if it's better to have your parents take care of you, why didn't other animals? Why didn't other animals develop that? I, I'm just using it as a point of contrast. I, you know, it's uh, yes. I just moved. No, sorry. Okay. Okay. So. Um, it's, and so it, it, it's, re- it's really, an, and I don't know how many of you are seniors now, and it's in the, in, at the cusp of a year that's really a transition year. Um, and wherever you go on, it, it's something that 
understand that. Understand um, if a person doesn't, it's even focusing on this point that, and since he mentioned the Tanya, the Tanya makes this the focal point of his work, that a person has two souls, one trapped within the other, one, I don't say we're trapped, contained within the other, or secreted with the other, um, treasured within the other, and the physical self is a natural self. My biological self wants things that are very physical. I like not to do much, to sit back. I like things that give me physical delight. That is a me. But that me is the shell of, 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 a, of a huge me who is much bigger than that. And that me inside me who at one point will become the real me, the way an adult is the real person, and the child was only a preparatory stage, wants things that are very different, wants things that are of eternal value, wants things that are spiritual, um, and I, I, it will break out, and I need to know how to do it wisely. Like I mentioned before, doing it in slow steps, consistent slow steps, works very well. Um, it's one of the reasons why the Torah... In the Kuzari, which is a debate between a king who wanted to become Jewish and was questioning the Jew about the faith, his faith, and in some place he asked him, "If you're so spiritual, why don't you people just like sit in the monastery all day and you know basically withdraw from this world?" And the Kuzari answers, "You missed my point." And he said, "The Torah makes sure that every part of the person receives what it needs." person needs to eat and drink, person needs to have a certain level of, of something that satisfies his physical self. You can't function without that. We, we, we're, we're in it together. The, 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 the physical self and, and the spiritual self, they're together. The, 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 the chachma is how to move forward with one without upsetting the balance. It's just like, again, like dieting. The trick to dieting is how to make some small meaningful step without starving yourself so that, that there's a boomerang effect and you overeat. Everything's true like that. If you overstudy, you'll never want to look at a book again. The, the, the real challenge in the teenage years are to be able to latch on to, to that self that's trying to come out, to the person that's trying to sort of um, move forward, and without, it, it, you can't do it by negating your other self. That's an important piece of the puzzle. You can do it only in tandem. It's just like birth is a process. You can't just take a small person out of a big person. It's a process of coming out, and it's, and it's laborious, and, and it's not easy. But understand where you're coming from and where you're going to. Okay, everybody should have a lot of atzlacha, Mirza Hashem. It's, uh, you know, it's for, for those of you that's out here, and uh, we should be, we should become the, we should become the people that we really are. Mirza Hashem. Thank you. Okay.